featured the prominently in my crotch. Hey, friends. Hey, friends. We're back. We're back. We are back. <laughs> like, literally this time. Yeah. We went away. We did. We went to Iowa. Mm-hmm. We decided to bask in the... Midwestern... What are you doing? I I don't know. My microphone was squiggling around, and I don't know what happened. Oh. You know, a couple things. You're leaving again tomorrow. I know. This is a little... I'm, a, I'm in the in-between space. The liminal space of... In two weeks, the time between yesterday morning and tomorrow evening is going to feel like I was just in an airport. Right. You're yeah. in that post-trip, pre-trip weird thing. So, yeah. we mentioned before how a pipe smoking in this room is definitely going to happen. Yes. To be honest, TBH in the corner you're sitting in is where it belongs. Because if the, fa- the, the window is high, it like meets the ceiling. Uh-huh. So if I was in that corner, the window open and a little fan. Okay. And in that, like the smoke will rise. I want you to be very careful with opening those windows. Though. The, why? Because they're pocket windows. Okay. And which means that those windows were installed in the house in 1870. I would treat a window the same way, regardless of when it was built. Well, that concerns me. <laughs> I would... All with caution. I want you to imagine the window is made of fine china. Okay. You got it. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. While we were gone, yep. Eden and her friend were watching the dogs. Yes. And they stayed last night because we got in at like 1030. Mm-hmm. Um, it is now... 1030? 1030. 12 hours later. <laughs> and like... We woke up, you did yoga, I mm-hmm. um, took the dogs out, we're getting settled in for a work day, and they just like went downstairs and are hanging out and playing video games. Uh-huh. <laughs> Part of me is just like, what are you still doing here? Oh my God. <laughs> Should I go home? <laughs> I, I like, they were, they just, I could hear them talking in the morning and they just went downstairs, probably got something to eat or whatever. No, they cleaned the kitchen. Oh, they did? Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. And then I hear video games queued up. Just like, what are you doing? Go home. Go home. <laughs> but not really. I don't I don't care at all. I just find I just had that intrusive thought and I thought it found it funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they're both also in a in between home space because they're both gonna move into the tiny house in the right. backyard. So like neither of them want to go back to the place where they're staying. well they better in the next 12 hours it's too it's too comfortable around here it's too comfortable guess what Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. was just one morning's and this morning's intrusive thought and i just found it funny um what's on the docket for today any more front desks uh i don't think so you had a you had something you were going to tell me in the bathroom Mm. i think it was about the pipe Oh, sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great it's a great spot. It's too bad that I've already like established this corner mm-hmm. as my corner. Right. Look, it's like a boxing ring here. You got your corner. Mm-hmm. I got my corner. Mm-hmm. But uh I'm gonna smoke in that chair you're sitting in next week. Next week. Fuck it. Tomorrow. This time tomorrow, 
Wow. Yeah, we're we're lighting that up. You're going to smoke a pipe at 10.30 in the morning tomorrow? I'm going to smoke a pipe when I get back at 6.30 in the morning That's tomorrow. That's <laughs> a little excessive. Well, guess concerned. what? Please buy vegetables. <laughs> no, I'm not even going to entertain that nonsense. You've seen my TikToks. You've seen the food I make. It's delicious, <laughs> and there's vegetables always. So stop okay. playing the game where it's like, oh, you're just going to eat garbage for a week. It's a perfect segue. To... The difference in how we were raised. Oh, differences in upbringing is to- the topic today. <laughs> so many differences. Right. And how did this, we've referenced it with each other often. Yeah. I mean, we'll bring it up frequently based on like something that will happen that we both are approaching in, in completely different ways. Yeah. Um. Also, it's come up like in our parenting for right. sure. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think just just periodically it'll it'll be like, oh, mm. here's another example of right. It's very clearly like you'll say things like, "It's very clear you did not have a dad." <laughs> <laughs> it is, and when I I can think of something immediately. Oh, yeah, it's when. Is this going to be about inappropriate clothing? Yes. Yep. It's going to be about being unprepared for the, weather. the conditions we're about to be in. So mm-hmm. like if we go somewhere. Like Italy. And well, I mean, really. Uh, I didn't bring socks. It, it's funny because more often than not, I have this thought about people I travel with. It's really only family members. Mm-hmm. And it has to revolve around footwear. Hmm. Because it's either like you're not wearing the right shoes uh-huh. You're not wearing the right socks. Or socks You're at all. You're not dressed warm enough for what we'll be doing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like clear you've never had someone who is like said to you, what you're wearing is not okay for what we're doing. You're wearing this. And then you have a tiny little temper tantrum and then you pout about it. And then either you realize that, yes, I'm glad I wore this thing, or you don't realize it, but you still needed to wear the thing. You had no one tell you, what you're wearing is ridiculous. You're not prepared for the elements. You gotta change. I definitely heard that from my mother because my mom, when I was young, was perpetually cold mm. and I was not. Mm. And so she was always very concerned about how I wouldn't wear a coat yep. and how yeah, I... Yeah, that sounds familiar. That happened like three days and, ago. And how I... Would wear like Birkenstock sandals oh my God. in the winter with no socks. How little has changed. Right. And so she would definitely say something and I would immediately double down on whatever I was wearing. Mm-hmm. And she would just be like, whatever. Mm. There was no, <laughs> like, like there was no punishment. There was no like, I didn't have to worry about someone being like, like there, yeah, there was never, and I think too, being with my grandparents a lot as well, like if I wasn't dressed appropriately and then I got cold, my grandparents would just solve the problem. Mostly my grandmother, but also granddaddy would too. Like, you know, I remember being very cold one time when I wasn't dressed appropriately for a, like a tow truck call that I went on with him. And he just like cracked open all of these hand warmers mm. and like put them in my pockets and put them in my shoes. Right. That's and it. so I didn't like. Did he have to go out and buy these? No, he had them he in the truck. Yeah. Well, like imagine 
he still would have, I think, as oh, the grand, a hundred percent, he would have would have bought them, <laughs> gone to buy them mm-hmm. and given them to you. Which, I mean, maybe or maybe not, that might have been a parental figures. If you, if it's just the the parent, not the grandparent, making the decision, maybe they are buying hand warmers and not like, oh, I have to buy socks now, or I have to go buy gloves, or like your right. hat because it, you didn't think you needed one. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, I mean, then the well, because it comes down to as reflecting back on my own upbringing and my concern for when this happens out in the wild, mm-hmm. with whatever knucklehead I'm with, you including with love, uh-huh. is sure. not necessarily your comfort or discomfort. I don't, I'm sorry to say, and I love you, that's not my priority concern. My concern is it's going to have, it's going to create a problem that I have to solve out while I'm trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not wearing the right shoes, or you're wearing flip-flops while we're walking around Rome. Mm-hmm. I don't care about your feet. I don't care if they're cold or if they're comfortable. It's like the odds of this breaking and having to go, A, spend time finding and buying shoes, B, walking around a city in brand new shoes, just is a re- in my brain is a recipe for disaster. Was it a disaster? No, it ended up being fine. Yeah. Right. Which is, but every instance I've dealt with that scenario before that uh-huh. was like, is this a problem I'm going to have to solve? Is this mm-hmm. something, is this going to derail part of the afternoon or what we're doing? You know, something, stuff like that. So I get, I mean, even when we went to Disney a couple years ago with Eden, uh-huh. was it the day, I think I said this when we recorded about that trip, my only hesitation i was only worried about one thing and as i think she like she had new shoes bought new shoes yeah. like the day before we left and mm-hmm. i'm just like why you're gonna get blisters and we're gonna weigh on our feet all day what do you do? and it ended up being fine but that's where my brain went yeah and then you do stuff like that and i say oh you never had someone like because i mean often it's, it could be like the one parent who's like Oh, forget it. It'll be fine. And they're just going to have to deal with it. And I'm not having this battle. And the other one can be, say things like, I am going to fight this battle because I don't, chances are I'm going to have to deal with it while we're trying to have fun. Right. Right. That's going to ruin the time. Yes. And there's enough, there's just enough things that could ruin the time that we can prevent a lot of them. Hmm. Not all of them. Like we can prevent. So funny. We can prevent blisters on your feet if you wear socks and comfy shoes. But if you decide to wear, oh, I, this happens a lot, or it happened a little bit when I would chaperone field trips to New yeah. York City. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, we're going to the city. I want to wear. I just got shoes for it. And it, all Bad the idea. teachers look at each other and say, "Please don't. I don't want them to break. I don't want your feet to hurt. It's a long day." Mm-hmm. We're going to have to deal with it. And that's something you can prevent. You can prevent that thing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I think it comes from, I mean, just, I, we're back to parenting style. We're right. back, like, mm-hmm. it's just, there's there's the difference of, like, approaching a situation where it's like, these are the things that could potentially go wrong. Yeah. Or approaching a situation like, nothing's gonna go wrong mm. it's unlikely that something will go wrong so like never would i like i just i wouldn't say never but it's rarely that i'm like what are the things that could ruin the fun 
today. <laughs> what are the things that might make this trip miserable? Which I'm not saying is better because there have been times where things have happened on trips with children um, where I'm like, you've got to be kidding me right now because it just didn't dawn on me prior to that mm. that this could be a thing. So I don't know. It's like, is it better to be prepared or is yes. it better to, is yes. n- to be like, oh, great. So this is happening. You know, I was not preemptively worried, frustrated, concerned. Right. And don't think that preparation for something is manifesting for that bad thing to happen. It's just like being well, we can ready. Disagree on that. Oh, one, but... my God. It's like it might rain. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep a collapsible foldable mm-hmm. poncho in my bag that takes up no space or an umbrella in my like side pouch doesn't take up any space. And I know about it and can have it instead of, oh, I'm soaking wet now. Let's go find a poncho or let's go find something to some way to stay dry after it's already raining. Okay. At some point, though, there's Why am like I getting worked up about there's this? a limit. <laughs> you like you can't be prepared for everything. True. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't like prepare like I'm going to go on a walkabout in the Australian <laughs> outback if I'm just going to go walk around yep. New York City for a half a day or something like that. Mm-hmm. Right? I wouldn't I probably wouldn't bring like <laughs> I'm going to go walk around Manhattan and go to a museum. I'm going to bring a backpack with a flashlight and trail mix and a space blanket mm-hmm. and a fresh pair of underwear. No, probably not. If it might rain, maybe an umbrella. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I definitely can say that I was raised in a very permissive, mm-hmm. very empowering. Yes. Very, um, maybe at times overly affirming. Mm, right. Situation. Yes, I would agree. And I remember the day that I learned that. What? When? Because... You brought up the phrase that I still can't believe exists. And the phrase is empowerment salad. Empowerment salad is like the best analogy for life. I guess, but it just means a buffet. Doesn't it? Um, To a degree, it does. Okay. Yeah. Please explain empowerment Well, I mean, salad. it means a salad bar, basically. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't call it a buffet, but yes, a salad bar. So... You know, at one point in my life, so there's there are these weird eras in my life, right? So there's like from being very tiny to being about in fifth grade, arguably sixth grade. There weren't it was chaos. Everything <laughs> about my childhood was, was chaos. It yes. was like we are moving every six months. Like when I hear stories about that time in your life, my response is usually something like, I can't believe you are as normal as you are. Yeah. It was just it was a wild situation. Um, and we're going to leave it at that. The And then there was the part of my life where like mom and her partner at that time were essentially both working in social work-ish mm-hmm. fields. <laughs> so, um, and her and her partner became an MSW. Like, mm. so then there was the era of being raised by social workers. So that's like basically sixth grade until I moved out of the house. Wow, that's funny because while you would think that would be optimal or better, it just still gave you something to rebel against. Like it's right. still like 
like the amount of leeway and understanding and communication mm-hmm. when I like I guess from my point of view when I hear about it I'm like wow that sounds like great and like the ability to say and think and uh-huh. be like you know communicate without um I won't say consequences I mean yes consequences because it don't always mean bad, bad. Mm-hmm. um I say wow that's that's remarkable yeah that sounds sounds great sounds That's great like, sounds great which it probably it was a little bit well and honestly like it was a hard it's hard to take a child that has spent their like formative years in chaos mm. and attempt to like both create structure around at, while at the same time not wanting to be disempowering mm. right so like how do you balance as a parent like being this rebellious my mother mm. um you know rebellious herself very like anti-establishment um you know fight the man the power all of it anti-misogyny patriarchy and then and then be like we're about to crack down on some rules like it's a very hard thing to balance and you know being like teaching your child question authority question authority oopsie whoopsie i'm the authority like it's tricky it's a tricky place to be in right so um you know i can't imagine what it was like for mom to have to making up for lost time isn't the right word like kind of like course correct a little mm. bit in a mo- in the moment where children really want to push back mm. too. So it was like right. no rules, very little structure, total chaos all over the place, like multiple caregivers. And then, you know, we're going to come at this like... Right, that is not the best time to introduce structure. Right. Introduce structure, introduce mm. consequences, but also be empowering. So it was just like annoying a lot of the time i'm like are we gonna talk about we're gonna talk oh this is the thing we're doing we're gonna talk about this and like that felt like can you just like maybe slap me (laughs) and get it over with can you slap me and get it over with i would so much rather right now be punished in a way that makes this faster and over than having to listen to feelings talk for 45 minutes like i remember having that thought so funny um well that's the thing it's like a lecture of any kind whether it's about feeling sharing or whether uh it's just i won't say berating but a more traditional talking down to punishment style yeah i mean right 10 minutes from start to finish is enough. Well, because it sounds appealing if it's like, oh, your parent wants to sit you down. You know, like my mother was doing gentle parenting before gentle parenting was a trend. So it's like, we want to sit you down and I'm going to tell you how this makes me feel. And the moment she would say, let me tell you how this makes me feel, mm. I could feel the chunks rising <laughs> in my throat. <laughs> and I was just like, oh. Yeah, that's the also the bad time to introduce the idea of the kid even giving a crap about how that makes you feel right which is i mean not a bad thing but it's not the ideal time i think to start that it was tricky for sure (laughs) and and you know once i was outside of being annoyed about it uh you know i was grateful for all of the words because there were so many words and that's part of like 
the empowerment salad analogy. So it's literally an empowerment salad. So sitting down at dinner was never, you know, what would the like authoritarian parenting, which is the extreme, would be like, this is what you're eating or you eat nothing. Right. Right. Authoritative parenting might be like, um, these are the options for dinner. What would you like? What's your input? Mm-hmm. Maybe we vote on it kind of right. thing. It's a little bit more collaborative, but there's a choice made. And then you do need to eat your dinner because we're not going to waste food. Like mm. that would be authoritative, authoritative. And then the permissive parenting would be like, you want to eat ice cream for dinner? Or like, you get to eat whatever you want. There's two to three children and everyone's getting a different meal. Right. And That's, um, no. This is like a that's ridiculous. You know, this isn't a restaurant. <laughs> um which is fair. Totally fair. Oh my god, yeah. So, you know, the the empowerment salad was like I'm not going to tell you that you have to eat all of these things. We're going to put a selection of foods on the table. You're going to choose what to combine. Mm. You're going to build your own little dinner plate and you know, and and it might work out for you. You might make good choices. You might make some not good choices. Um, and I think also I was an extraordinarily picky eater as a small child. Mm. Like I didn't want any. I didn't want to eat anything. Right. Pasta, butter, and cheese. <laughs> Iceberg lettuce with butter vinaigrette. Dough. That was it. Those were my food groups as a, an ice cream, and. We- now, most of the time that was indulged. I did not raise young children. Uh-huh. So that seems to me to be great. It's like, oh, you want this easy thing again? Sure. Well, uh, it's not high on the nutrition no. scale. That's fine. Um, No. Which is why my grandmother was like pushing the Flintstones vitamins. <laughs> She's like, you will take these vitamins. Um, So I think also the other side of empowerment salad is like, just try like make mm. a choice to try some of these things do you want to put some cashews in your salad try it out mm. as opposed to this is what you're eating or you don't eat or i'm going to make you butter noodles every single night right. like so it, it was this kind of like in between and and there was an aspect of like you know this is this is an attempt to get you to engage in making choices and mm. then naturally experiencing some of the consequences of your choices because you know you mix oranges and ranch dressing a couple Mm. times in your salad and you're going to experience the um you're you're going to experience the consequence that's gross (laughs) belly consequences belly consequences yeah i mean it also reminds me of this the spectrum of the parenting and and eating dinner especially the uh well, you have to sit down and finish this before you can leave. Or mm. was that a rule? Um, yes. I think I don't remember myself dealing with that. Mm-hmm. I know for I know my sister did. Yeah, I know. I have a memory of. I kind of remember the it happening. I definitely remember her talking about it years and years later. I don't remember dealing with that. I don't think I was as a pick eater. I could be very wrong. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was the thing 
where it's like, you're not leaving until you finish. Right. And it's like, I think there was one time where like, she's like, okay. And just like waited it out. Wow. Yeah. That's a Taurus. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> stubborn people raise stubborn children. What do you think is going to happen what eventually? Happen what do eventually. you think? You think, yeah. <laughs> what are the odds are? There's two. One of them may be pretty compliant. The other one hmm, might put up a fight every now and then. Yep. Someone's going to be the one. Yeah. Um, what about schooling and right. your experience is school? Because well, I think we, I mean, we definitely went different, two different types of school, which definitely. is- hilarious to think about it's even funnier to me than empowerment salad yes like the differences in our schooling yes yes yeah you did public school yep until i mean all through 12 because it was still public school right even though it was alternative school right public school so when did you i mean you tell us walk us through i mean so i went to so many different schools yeah before i graduated high school Mm -hmm. i went to 14 different schools holy moly yeah I went to... You went to one school. Two schools. St. <laughs> Gregory the Great through eighth grade, Notre Dame High School, yep. ninth through 12th of high school. Yeah. I mean, I went to... And there were a couple times, too, where I switched schools in the middle of a school year. Yeah. And so school was also chaos. Like, it it was... Um, I went to three different elementary schools. Mm. I went to two different middle schools. I went to three different high schools, um, at least. What was school like as a young person? Because I would argue more often than not, girls tend to have an easier time mm-hmm. in the early grades than boys do. Was that your experience? Yes. It was very determined by the teacher that I had. Mm. So um, when I had great teachers i was a great student when i had asshole teachers i was an asshole student i was definitely oh definitely have to click that explicit box for this episode (laughs) please (laughs) i definitely was that kid and um you know my grandmother my grandmother would completely enable me all the time. <laughs> Shocker. As a as a nana tends to do. Yeah. So I would like wait until the last minute to do a project and then she would let me stay home the day the project was due and bring me in in the <laughs> afternoon when I was done with it. That's awesome. um, she would like um there were times where I would be sitting at the kitchen table doing homework and like my grandparents' house was always full of people there were always like friends Mm. like state troopers like just people in and out um extended family uh roller skating family which was like people that my grandparents were friends with that when they ran the roller skating rink and if you didn't know that and know they're into roller skating that's a really non-sequitur group to be like oh the roller skating team was in the roller skating team (laughs) and so like they were considered family so we would call them like aunt and uncle and mm. that kind of stuff, but they weren't technically. Mm. So um, there was just a lot of people and a lot of sound and a lot of chaos. And if you if you observe adults as a child, you know the windows of when you can ask a question <laughs> and it will just be like answered to get mm. to you to move on right. and to do the next thing yep. and, and where there will be all eyes on you. And so I learned this pattern 
really early on. And so I could do my homework at the kitchen table. And there were so many adults that I could individually ask them all questions mm. that were the answers to my homework. Yeah. And they would answer me. Smart. I, I would be like, you... I'd be like, hey, buddy, what do you think about blah, 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 blah. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, this. And I'm like, yeah. I think that taught you if as much, if not more, than the homework <laughs> you were assigned. Probably. Um, yeah. And then in the same thing that I was talking about, where like once I was in middle school and it was like social work parent time. Mm. And everyone was doubling down on being these like very responsible parents. Um, <laughs> all of a sudden, I had parents. And I was like, what's this shit? Um, <laughs> it would be like I would get in trouble because, oh, I didn't turn in like, uh, we had to do a project throughout the year in sixth grade, which was not a project that you could wait until the day that the project was due, right. not go into school until sixth period and turn it in. It was a, you had to collect different species of plants mm. throughout the seasons mm. oh, and wow. dry them and then turn them in at the end of the year. And this was like in a long-term project, stupidest thing to assign sixth graders, by the way. I think if none of it has to be done at home, it, it can be great. Pretty much all had to be done at home. Oh, that's awful. And And I didn't do it. Like, I totally was well, just like... I mean, it's one of those things. I see students like that where if it's a third of the way through and there's this huge checklist that was going to go from like September to March mm -hmm. and it's October and you see how much you already haven't done, that's like immediate shutdown. It's like, oh my God, why bother? I can't catch up. Right. Not going to do it. Well, and and it was like you have to go out into the woods and collect things and dry them and preserve them and like label the date that you collected them and all this stuff. And we lived in Brooktondale at the mm, time, yeah. had tons of like land to explore on it. Six mile Creek was mm -hmm. right there. And I would go out in the woods and <laughs> by yourself. Yeah. Cause it was the nineties. Cause it was the nineties. Um, and I would just get totally distracted mm. and play in the Creek and when it was nice, I would go swimming and it was not nice. I would build little things out of snow mm -hmm. and make little leaf altars, collect clay from the creek bank. Like I just got distracted. Yep. And then I would come back home and be like, oh, sh I was supposed <laughs> to be doing homework. I was supposed to find some thistle oh. and I didn't find the thistle. No I found a salamander who I named Dookie Red and mm. he became my pet, but I did not do mm. the assignment. So I essentially failed sixth grade earth science or whatever it was, science. Um, And I got in so much trouble. I was like grounded for mm. two weeks. This is like, couldn't listen to Pearl Jam. Was it? Jesus. Took my boom box away. <laughs> it, well, it reminds me of there's a scene in Arrested Development where um, Lindsay is all of a sudden trying to discipline the daughter, maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you're grounded. Maybe he's like, okay, all right, I'm going to my friend's house. And maybe Lindsay's like, wait a second. I'm supposed to. This means you're in trouble. And they kind of look at each other like, what are you talking about? Wait, are we doing this? Are we is doing this? this? <laughs> well, but my mom had this girlfriend who wasn't necessarily a new girlfriend at that point. It had been like a probably close to two years, maybe even longer. Well, two years that I lived with this girlfriend. 
And, you know, so it was like, then they're parenting, mm. they're trying to figure out how they parent together. And I'm like, this is just ridiculous. You guys need to get it, need to be on the same page, have a conversation. <laughs> because Maybe it was you guys should have planned this out before we started this conversation because it doesn't seem like either of you know what's going on. Well, and it was so annoying because at the beginning of their relationship in true like step parent fashion, Kate was like the fun one, mm. you know, like coming in and like doing fun things and we're going to play outside together and she's hurtling over garbage cans in the mall and like just being fun. She's like, I'm going to be the fun parent. Well, joke's on you. There's never been any rules. So there's no other option but mm. to be the fun parent. And then polarity kicks in. Mm. So she's like, oh, Valerie's not going to do any of this discipline. She became the disciplined person, which is a really hard thing for step parents to do. It is. Um, it's a delicate dance. It's a delicate dance. And so I'm grounded and I'm just like, Ugh. all right. They can't ground me from Nana's house. <laughs> so I just go to my grandmother's. Nana's I mean, like, I like, couldn't see friends, but who, you know, I didn't really care about that. <laughs> it's like an embassy. It's like <laughs> sanctuary. It's <a> sanctuary. <laughs> I'm in sacred space here. There's nothing can touch me. I'm going to eat ice cream. I'm going to watch Nickelodeon. This is like international waters, man. This so it's is like, not... what are you grounding me from going and hanging out with my friends? Which, you know, I had probably an unhealthy attachment to my nana so i always would have picked hanging out with my grandmother over hanging out with my friends any day seem unhealthy eh, seems adorable maybe I were mean, you guys like playing poker and smoking cigarettes together i mean there was cigarettes i wasn't smoking them um and that sounds like a typical 80s early 90s thing maybe some other cards not poker but yeah i mean if you guys were split splitting the pack of marble reds i would say yeah that's probably inappropriate but yeah yeah and so there there was there was consistent getting grounded for grades because mm. I did not care about school when it felt like it was a waste of my time Ooh. and when I didn't like the teacher. Right. And then... Well, I've seen that in this family. Yeah. And then Jesus when I did Christ. like the teacher, A plus in that school, I mean, like in that class, I think that it was probably infuriating for my parents to know that like I could be doing the thing and I just was choosing to be obstinate mm. or disengaged. Math was torture. Oh my God. I just couldn't do it. I hated it. I didn't have any emotional attachment to it at all. And I felt like, you know, the cliche, I'm never going to need to know this. Mm, right. I'm never going to need to know this. Right. Um, And so you know, there was that push pull of like, and then I would like hide my report card. And oh yeah, I would do all of those shenanigans. I would and... try to hide progress reports mm. because even then I learned that you can't hide a report card. That's too big. Yeah, those things are always coming. They know exactly when. Yeah, if you're gonna try to hide a progress report, that and I saw this when I was teaching too. It's more doable. Well, it's like they tried to hide. They did hide the progress. The students would hide the progress report, which they didn't understand, just bought you time. Right. But you have to use that time to get your grade better. Like they would still, they would <laughs> hide the progress report and then still blow shit off for the next three weeks. I'm like, what did you think was going to happen? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 They didn't, they didn't pick up on that. I of it. did not. I mean, I like school because I liked, I mean, I had a lot of, it was like similar to Abby's experience. Yeah. Where same group of like 60 kids. There were like two classes of about 30. 
friends from K through eight, right? So like, um, there was of course like, you know, trouble or drama or dealing with like children, but like for most of the time, we all pretty much kind of got along, right? There was no, there was very little or rare like. These two kids hate each other. Right. Their families hate each other. I, I don't remember that. I remember a general overall, like, we pretty much got along. Um, but I remember, I think it was like second grade where the turn was of like, school is hard because I don't care. Yeah. And at a Catholic elementary school, it's not surprising to learn that 90 if not a hundred percent of the teachers are middle-aged women. Yes. Who I just felt as the years went on, just hated all the boys. Like the ability to deal with a middle school boy, an elementary school boy, yeah. which is hard. It is not easy. Yep. We were rambunctious and we were boy, typical boys, coconuts. Yeah. And I remember just like, of course they would get frustrated and yell at us and, Try to whatever. But like as the years went on, it's just like you hate us all. Like you don't like us. It's not even personal. It's It's not even personal. You just hate us, hate our energy. You hate that you have to deal with us. And there's no male role model Mm -hmm. to model any sort of appropriate behavior. If there was one, we did have one male teacher. And there's a hilarious story about how he tried to do a really kind of neat project and simulation type thing. And actually, exactly what you thought might happen would happen. Um, but yeah, there was no one who was like, let's model this behavior. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't just there. Um, so we just kind of grew up with this idea that, you know, they, they hate us. They don't like us. And, and actually, it was like by seventh and eighth grade, there was that turn where we started being less chuckleheads and our teachers could relate to us a little bit better. Um, <laughs> we had Mr. Holden taught social studies, Sandy Holden. And he was a very sweet man. And he did a simulation about like, what does it mean first world country versus like a third world country? Right? This is sixth grade. So this is in the late Mm eighties. He split the class up. There's 30 kids, like five kids are this group. Mm -hmm. This is first world. Then there's like seven or eight. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the rest is third world countries. Yeah. And it's like first world countries, they got a little personal pan pizzas. They got little snackies, oh right? God. And each group got fewer and fewer things. And by the time it went to like the third world. Oh, the hubris of this man. Which I mean, like looking back, I'm like, it was a, it, he nailed it because what, when he gave the 15 to 18 kids a bag of doritos what do you think happened chaos and yes they chaos that bag apart. ensued there was wrestling to get the doritos My like god and like if you stop and think about it like jesus did that just model like real life in some ways where it's like what could food scarcity feel like feel like, feel like. and cause yeah. and create yeah. Yeah. and who had control of it at the end? Like, I want to say, did he then, you know, instruct the personal pan pizza kids to share with amongst themselves? Everyone else? I don't. I don't know. Damn it! I you know. See, he could have. 
He could have really made an impression. I now, it's a shame. I really wish I remembered the breakdown of the activity. Yeah. Because, like, you could have discussions. Uh huh. Right. But yeah. like it, it was. I mean, sixth grade, man. It was. It was nuts. It oh. was crazy. That's one of the things I, I remember. Oh my god, it was insane. Um, but yeah, growing up, not liking school. I don't remember how I felt about school. I remember. I mean, my memories are so bad. Like I remember getting yelled at by my kindergarten teacher. I think it was a question about math. It was maybe five plus seven or something like that. I only remember my attention being drawn towards the front of the room and Mrs. Holub just being very mad at me. Now, there is a 99% chance that I was goofing off. I was like elsewhere. I definitely was sitting in my desk, so I wasn't bouncing around the room. I was, uh-huh. But chances are I could have been like talking to this friend, talking to that friend, or just staring at the ceiling, then being snapped back in reality by this woman. I'm like, ah, you are so mad at me right now, and I don't know what you want from me. Oh. Mrs. Islip in first grade was very sweet. Uh-huh. Nothing but good memories. Mrs. Braden in second grade, um, if she could have put us on a boat and shipped us to France, she would have. She would have. Yeah. She would just get out of here. That was um, second grade? That was second grade. Third grade was a little better. Fourth grade was pretty good. My mom always brings this up. Sister Natalie was the English language oh, the arts. Apex. Mm-hmm. English language arts. And there was a lot of like creative kind of stuff there that she did. And apparently I just shined. Like it mm-hmm. was really, I kind of leaned into that and, and enjoyed it. Was really good at it. Um, but like, oh, all, all throughout math. Yeah. Ugh, what is it about, not only what is it about math that is hard to grasp, like that's an obvious question, but what is it about, and this is not my, only my experience. I could, I, I mean, I've seen TikToks about it. So this phenomena still exists of kids trying to learn math and parents just getting furious. Yeah. <laughs> why why does that happen? I I think that the way that math is taught is generally for left-brained people. Mm. And if you happen to be a more like creative brained, right brained person, there's nothing to hook you in. Mm. Like there's no amount of, it's not tugging. Like, like where is, particularly when you're learning math foundations, (laughs) you can't be creative. Times table. (laughs) They really hate it when you're creative in mathematics. (laughs) Until like you get to the most brilliant people in the world are like have to be creative about mathematics and it's that, crazy yeah it's it's so um it, it and i'm obviously in the same boat as you because it just never math didn't land for me didn't to the click. point where like once i was in college oh like it was because then in high school we didn't have grades so in high school like not having grades and then going to college and having grades again, I was like immediately back to like fourth grade math class, going up to the board, mm. failing epically right. in front of everyone, right. like it being funny because you couldn't do the thing. Right. And um, and so I had to, I spent like every other day in college 
when I was forced to take a gen gen ed math uh-huh. class uh, in the math lab because yeah. I'm like, I like, this is just going to make me cry. Well, you know, what's funny is you bring up no grades in your high school, mm-hmm. right? Like you went this alternative high school is a public school. It's like yep. a, in the district, mm-hmm. like an offshoot of the public high school. No grades. No grades. Um, Graduation by exhibition. By exhibition, right. It was like a list of things that you had to prove that you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, mine was obviously at Notre Dame High School. It was not like that. It right. was grades. <laughs> well, we would grades. get like evaluations. Mm-hmm. And you could get a flag. Like you could get a red flag yeah. in your report that like they're not doing too well Mm -hmm. um but for the most part it was like a narrative written story right of what that class is like for you right now Mm -hmm. and that's what would be sent home is this narrative yeah and i look back on it particularly as a teacher i'm like oh my god that is so much work like yeah it's crazy that seems like a lot of work but i don't know if that would be better work than like churning out grades right you know what i mean it's i mean uh, well it's it's interesting because then when i worked in social work so when you're doing a lot of social work you have to keep case notes Mm -hmm. Mm. and so anytime you have an interaction with a client or participant you're keeping case notes of like what that visit was like or what that session was like or Mm -hmm. whatever and so it it's kind of like that. Like you end up having such a closer relationship mm. with your teachers yeah. and they see you not just as this, like, you know, you turned in the thing. You didn't turn in. The right. thing. You well, did well on it. You didn't do it. How like, big was your graduating class? 23. Yeah. I think mine in Notre Dame was like 280. Yeah. That's right. It's just, that's, it's just not possible. Right. With that, those numbers, no. um, which is a shame. Cause I think that, there's a lot of benefit to doing it that way. Like exhibition right. and smaller numbers obviously is like the ideal scenario. But mom was so like at her wits end at that point because mm. like being in the public school, I just wasn't doing anything mm. unless I liked the teacher or I would just not go to class at all. So that was really fun when like, <laughs> like mom would suddenly find out that I had missed like 14 gym classes. Oh my god. And she would be like, "Why are you calling me now? Like wh- why didn't <laughs> I get called on like class 3?" 3, right. And then she would be like, "You have missed gym 14 times." And I'm like, "No point in going now." <laughs> um Wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. And then I would get grounded mm. and then I would break more rules. Like it just was this endless cycle of nonsense. Yeah. So I think eventually mom just like kept going into the alternative school because it was so small. Mm there wasn't room like you had to wait for a spot to open up yeah and was just basically begging for me to go to this other school because like also when you're the public school was like what 450 500 kids in a grade yeah something like that at that point and you you can't just not go to class when there's five people in your english class like you can't you will be noticed someone will come and find you um, but yeah, That's, they gave me like a graduation coach and everything. Wow. It's funny you say that you, uh, missed 14 gym classes. Uh, the idea of cutting a class yeah, was like, no, that was never on the table. Mm. Never going to do anything 
Because it's mainly like, where am I going to go? Yes. Like, what am I going to do? There were so I mean, many places to go in Ithaca. Yeah, I guess. That you could easily walk to from the, <laughs> like, you didn't even need to have a car. Right. It was sort of near, it's pretty close approaching, like, definitely like residential right yeah. next to the school. And then like, that's when like the coffee shops and businesses started right. happening. So like, you could disappear into that kind of thing. Honestly, though, most of the time that I wasn't in class, I was at the waterfall behind right. the school. <laughs> Smoking something. <clears throat> I was just behind the school. I wasn't even that far away. It's, I mean, for me, I never, I like that. The issue was never like, am I going to cut class? Like, who am I hanging out with? Am I getting into shenanigans? Am I getting into trouble that way? Like, that was also never an issue. Like, because you would be in so much trouble at home. Right. And like, it would, it, it was also like, no, nah, don't want to do that. That seems like trouble. It seems like not only would I get in trouble, but what I would be doing would not be worth the trouble. Like, yeah. It's like this risk reward is not even like, what am I, am I going to skip a class to either try to sneak down the road to 7-Eleven? Like that just seems like, I don't want to do that. That when school's over. See, right. It just seems like so much trouble. Um, never really an issue about who I was hanging out with. It wasn't like, well, what are you guys doing? What it, it was like none of that. It was all great. First two years of high school was like that. By the time I was a junior, something clicked, and I was like, "Okay." It was, then it was A's and B's for two years. You know, but those first two years of high school was just like it. I don't know. It felt like, "Oh my god, this is horrible." I'm doing horrible, and mainly because like I a didn't like it, and I wasn't good at it. Like I yeah. wasn't good at school then, so like it was just like I'm not good at this thing. It's not catching anything. Like I'm not gonna. This is not success it's not building confidence yet had been like college you know where like you get to a little bit more which is the other thing that the alternative school did like i got to take an english my english class my junior year was women in art and literature mm. oh my god right. like it was everything about that class was fascinating to me everything about it was i was lit up like it wasn't like okay we're gonna read out loud mm. The old man in the sea, right? For an entire class period, like you I, know. I reread that book a couple years ago. I know. I can't believe we assigned it to children. It was like tenth grade. It's a dude fishes in a boat for one hundred and thirty pages. It's just so many choices are made sometimes that don't make any sense around curriculum, and so don't you hate English teachers sometimes? <laughs> I, it's like, get off your high horse. No one likes Shakespeare when they're. 13. I mean, I loved Shakespeare. Oh, so. of course you did. Well, I was a theater kid. Right. It's totally different. Um, you know, I just, I, I didn't, I had permissive parenting. Mm. So I didn't want to do the things that I wasn't interested in doing. Right. And yeah. I didn't care that, about the repercussions. That foundation was laid pretty early it for you. It was. I yeah. just, and, and the repercussions were silly. And I was just like, oh, are you parenting today? <laughs> like, <laughs> like this is cute. I was just like, oh, you, you clearly. I mean, I remember multiple times being like, to my whoever was attempting to parent me or be my teacher or whatever, I'd be like, oh, this is making you feel powerful right now. Like it was, oh, I can't even imagine. I was probably quite insufferable in a lot of ways, and you know, we had College Town right up the hill. We could mm. walk up to College Town. I, I, there are many times that I did do homework 
Um, and once I was at the alternative school, definitely, if if they would have just let me smoke cloves and write my term paper in the library, I never would have left campus. But, you know, it was you know, cramping my style. It was, yeah. I mean, even they had those rules even in the 90s. They did. Even the 90s had Children a few Children are rules. not allowed to smoke at school. <laughs> uh, if I remember my high school still had a smoking section for teachers. Yeah. And it wasn't too far removed from having a smoking section where if you were 18, oh. you could go and smoke. Like if, like if you were a senior, you turned 18, you could smoke with the teachers, basically. Hmm. <laughs> so interesting what Jesus says is okay. Well, Jesus didn't weigh in on it, so we had, you know, it was probably all right. <laughs> we did have a smoking corner at the alternative school, but it was like definitely not supposed like it was right it was, it was not a against, sanctioned it wasn't but it also there was no repercussions right so there was a guy at the school like this was kind of his job to mm. like maintain different things dave yeah. mcgivern and um he was supposed to come out and like kick us out of the smoking corner but he really wouldn't he would just right. be like hurry it up and go to class like yeah you know that's funny so just well, different like, worlds. I feel like we touched on early upbringing and schooling. And I think there's more topics about our differences in upbringing to delve into mm. that may have to wait for a part two. It's true. Which we'll yeah. get to later. Yeah. Because, you know, the thing is, is like, I, and I say this all the time to people who have young children and are like stressing about parenting and messing it up right. and blah, 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 blah. And we were even talking about it on the Yoga Farm podcast yeah. because the four of us are sitting there mm. and you have different parenting rules. You have different repercussions for things. Like we all have these individual paths and our parents are under so much pressure. Like parents blame themselves for mm. everything. Right. Like it's so, it is the hardest job to, to mm. parent. And, um, and then look at it. Like right. we're doing the exact same thing. We, I mean, you have more master's degrees than I do, but we have the same degrees. We have right. like very similar right. adult life trajectories. Yeah. We have very similar moral, ethical mm -hmm. values that, you know. Right. But like, and yet what got us here. Right. Such totally different paths. Yeah. So it's just funny to me. It is pretty wild. Well, we'll be sure to hit on, because I, when thinking of like, how did your parents handle like. But like, you know, friend circles and like music, pop oh, culture stuff, yeah. like exposure to that. I think that's very interesting that where our upbringings are similar and really different. Yeah. So that's tune in next time. Next, next on the list. Same bat time, same bat channel for Mutual Victory. This is Matt. This is Jeannie. Thanks, everyone. <laughs>